And I know, honestly, I don't need this. But the problem is we record and we put it out on sermon audio. And um, if we don't have this on, then it picks up an unreal amount of echo and you can't really understand what's going on. So that has a lot to do with why I use it. Um, I will try to keep the tone down somewhat. I don't think I'll be getting too wild tonight. You're on track. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I get all this stuff on here. Okay, so we're going to go to chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12. Um, and we'll read down through. Well, anyway. Verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou beholdest fast my name. And hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught black to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans, however you say that, which thing I hate, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and the stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Our most kind and gracious Lord, as we study your word tonight, Seek to discern it and understand it. Help us, Lord, to take it in, to use it for your honor and your glory. But, Lord, to take it in and be doers of your word and not just hearers only. And I ask, Lord, in a special way that you touch each heart within the sound of my voice and things done in their lives that you would have. And these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, uh, God won't, now, we got seven letters we're going over. These seven letters were for a purpose, and God wants, there we go, that'll work. And God wants a faithful representation of his son, Jesus Christ. Um, that, it, really, that is why it's so important that we study these letters and that we understand these letters 
because the, the local church is a rep- representation of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm just going to be up front with you. What the world thinks of the church determines what the world thinks of Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that, that's the honest truth. Whatever the, whatever, however the church is represented in this community that we live in, or whatever community that church would be in, that's what people think of Jesus the same way. And you say, well, that's not really fair, but it is fair. Because Jesus is the one that started the church. Therefore, we that make up the church, without the people, you know, it'd be so easy to pastor a church if there wasn't anybody in it. Problem is, it wouldn't be any people. It wouldn't be a church. <laughs> I used to tell people, you know, it'd be easy to shoe horses if it wasn't for the folk that owned them. Well, that would have worked because, you know, I, I could take care of the horse. But you, to have a church, you got to have people. Now, so what people see in the church, in their community, and what people see in the people that go to that church is what they think of Christ. Now, over the years, I've been to a few churches, and, uh, but there was one, and I won't say any names about it. Of course, I wasn't even saved myself. But there was a church where I grew up at, it sat on top of a little hill, and, and me and my wife went to it and one time because we thought we needed church, and, and we did. But anyway, <laughs> what we needed was the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyway, so we go to this church. Well, we're sitting, and we'd been going off and on for a while, and we're there in church one night, and, and they had the invitation, and these two women come up to the altar, and they were praying doing whatever, well, all of a sudden, they were fighting. I'm talking on top of each other. And I helped pull one off of the other one, and the pastor was helping pull one off, and come to find out there had been a problem with one of them's husband, and we don't have to go to all that. But people of the community saw that, heard about that, and uh, that church closed down for many years. Uh, Actually, it's opened back up again. The last time I was down in that country, uh, they had a big sign. It said newly, uh, I forget what they call it, but anyway, and uh, they're doing pretty good in what I was told. So, what the, again, what the world thinks of wagon wheel, we'll just narrow it down to us. What the world thinks of wagon wheel is going to be what they think of Christ because we are to be representing Christ uh, in, in, in all that we say and do, to be honest. And that has a lot to do with why we have these letters in chapter 2 and chapter 3 to these uh, churches in Asia Minor. And as we read these reports that were these letters that were written to these churches, and it's somewhere about two thousand years ago, um, we we need to understand what God admires in in a church. 
because he tells them, but we also need to understand what he hates in a church. And uh, not only though, not only in the church, but all the people that make up that church. And that means our home life as well. Uh, that means our life while we're out in the public. Listen, I go down to Denny's, I'll be up front with you. There's folk down there know who I am. When I walk in the door, they know, oh, that's Pastor Jim. And they know where I pastor. If I walk in there and, and, and I'm not being what I should be, uh, showing Christian love, even though if they dump coffee in my lap or, or if they burn my bacon, because I like floppy bacon. Now, some people want it black, like a potato. Listen, if I want a potato chip, bless God, I'll go buy a bag of potato chips. I want a piece of bacon that's, that's movable, you know, and doesn't fall apart in the plate. And if you go with Sister Deb, I'll go ahead and tell you, if you ever take her out to eat and she orders eggs and, and uh, bacon and hash browns, eggs got to be done, done, done. Hash browns got to be black. Bacon needs to be black. Larry's the same way pretty much. I, listen, I only sacrifice things once. Now, I will admit I sacrificed some of the burgers tonight like three times. They, they, some of them were pretty bad. But I, all I want is that I can get it before it runs off the plate. And I'm okay. But I know not everybody's that way. Uh, but anyhow, how we represent ourselves out there because of the fact they know who I am. They know who my wife is. They know who some of you guys are. They know where Will goes to church, and they know where Larry and Deb go to church at. And... Uh, uh, Listen, we got to set the representation for Christ there as well as we do here. Now, it's easy to be a Christian here, but when you're out there, it's not. Um, and don't let anybody tell you it is. It's, it's, it's tough. It takes the Lord to help you. Now, the city of Pergamos, it was kind of like the capital of Asia Minor, uh, and it was located just a few miles from a place called Troy. Uh, now, there was pagan temples in Pergamos. And uh, the one that it's known best for was Acropolis. Now, uh, it was dedicated to a 40-foot altar, Zeus. No, Zeus. That's who it is, Zeus. I ain't Greek, so never cared for none of that anyway. Uh, Zeus is who they were dedicated to. And Jesus, possibly there's a big chance that when Jesus spoke to them, he had that in mind because they were pagans and they did do a lot of idol worship. And he mentioned being in the seat of Satan's throne. You know, sometimes I kind of think that way here. When I first came out here, I flew into the airport. And uh, back then it was called McCarran, which I still call it McCarran. And uh, I got my reasons behind that. Certain people, anyway, won't get political tonight. Uh, so, because somebody may be kin to him. Bless your heart, I'll pray for you. Um, you know, so we flew in. We come down the, the, what do you call them things? Escalators. We come down them things, and man, all of the music and the videos going on, and a ding, 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 ding. Of course, I'd been out here a lot. I knew what it was about, but I, I hadn't never been to Vegas 
how would I put that? As being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I got down there, I, I looked at Sandy, I said, well, now, I said, we kind of know how the Apostle Paul felt when he was surrounded by all of the problems that Athens had. You know, you, you almost feel like, wow, man, I'm, I'm a minority for sure here. But uh, anyway, so Pergamos was one of those, those kind of places. And he, and he told him, he said, you know, I know that you, you're there with, where Satan's throne is. Verse 13, he said, I know thy works. And where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And, and that's awesome that, that the Lord, listen, the Lord knows exactly what's going on in your life every second of the day. Now that might be scary. And then again, that might be like, whoo, I'm glad he does. Uh, but he does. He knows everything. The, the Lord doesn't just write us off. When we get saved, he doesn't just say, okay, see you in heaven one day. No, he's there to help us. And he's there to understand what we're going through. And by the way, he's not somebody that, listen, Jesus, you say, well, yeah, but he's God. And, and, and he don't have the problems I have. Really? Look at what he faced on earth. Listen, he went without food. He stumped his toe. He stuck a, a splinter in his finger. Uh, he might have cut his finger open. He was tempted of the devil just like we are tempted. Uh, he knows what we go through in our lives. He's there with us. Uh, so... What we need to understand is the Lord Jesus is with us at all times. Now, verse 12 gives us a description again. You know, if you've noticed, and, we, and you'll keep noticing, because we've got, we got four more churches to go through after this one. But if you'll notice when you're reading ahead, every time he gives a description... And it's for a purpose because it refers more to that church than it, than it, in other words, he wouldn't have wrote it to this one, the same thing he wrote to that one, the same thing he wrote to that one. He says in verse 12, he says, uh, and the angel of the, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Now, we know that's the Bible. Uh, we do. We understand that. But let's look at the two-edged swords a little different than the Word of God. It first came about, the Romans come up with it. The Romans were great warriors. They were very feared. Now, the two-edged sword, I've got a two-edged boot knife. Trust me, it'll cut you just the same on both sides. <laughs> I know. Um, the Romans used it because what they would do is they would come across like this and 
split you open. But when they came back, they didn't have to turn their sword over. That extra half second could cost them their lives. So they would come across and they'd just bring it back. And they would finish the job that they did. It was, it was for a purpose and it was to finish that job. It would, it would slice a person in either direction. And if it didn't catch you on the way by, well, kill you on the way by, when it come back, it did. And uh, they kept them very sharp. Now, as we read this, we understand that Jesus said the two-edged sword. Now, later on in Scripture, we'll see, well, here, let's go ahead and read this one. He says in verse... Where was it at? Verse 16, he said, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You see, he wanted them to understand what he was talking about. Now, there's a little bit in between there that we need to look at, but we're going to. Hebrews 4.12, though, says the Bible is like a two-edged sword. Now, what does it say? It says the Bible, I mean, it, the Bible itself as a sword can split the difference between your will and your spirit. I can't. I can't do that, but God can. But it also puts a difference between a believer and an unbeliever. See, only the Word of God can do that. I can tell you all day long that you're lost and that you're going to die and go to hell or that you're saved and you're going to die one day and go to heaven or go up in the rapture. And you can just say, well, yeah, but that's just you talking. But this right here, a person can read the Bible right here. And when you read that, that's the very breath of God that put these words on this paper. People say, well, how do we even know that it's God's Word? Because He said so. How do I know it isn't God's Word? Well, somebody told me. Well, listen, they lie all the time. I mean, they told me in, in uh, well, they didn't tell me. But they told kids over the last however many years, oh, you come from a monkey. What a flipping joke. That's stupid. As, as Deb would say, that's stupidity gone to seed. Listen, if you think, I'm all honesty, if you really think there was a bang and all of a sudden the trees appeared and the monkeys appeared and, and all, you're an idiot. I don't know of any other way to put it. I told somebody today, I ain't just real filtered. And I don't, so I'll use a different word, okay, instead of being an idiot. You're inane. That means you're an airhead. Because that's just, that's just stupidity. You walk outside and say, you mean we got trees and all this from bang, it happened. Kid here one day, years ago, well, Betty Garfield's grandson, he said, I'm an evolutionist, I believe we come from monkeys. Well, guess what my son did? <laughs> he said it in front of the wrong person. 
My son grabbed him up and said, come out here with me. And we, he talked about the outside, the trees and the grass and the stars. And he says, so you think that man come from a monkey? Well, yeah, they changed and changed. And, and they went from bending over going, I do that pretty good. To standing up straight. To being able to talk. I've never met a monkey yet that can talk. And, and, and then all of a sudden, they just quit. And he said, well, no, they're probably still doing it. He said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. He said, let's go to Africa. He said, I can borrow the money. He said, we can both get us a passport and we can go. We can go live out in the jungle. And let's see how long it takes for one. We'll pick one, an orangutan or whatever. We'll follow it around until it becomes a man. Well, no, they don't do that anymore. What made them stop? It takes more faith to believe that you come from monkey or pond scum than it takes to believe in Jesus Christ. There is more written in the books about Jesus Christ than there is George Washington. Charles Darwin, according to history, on his dying bed, because he's the guy that came up with evolution, he said, I was wrong. But that's just history. I don't know. I wasn't there. But they said, supposedly, he accepted the Lord as Savior is what I read. But I don't know that. But he said he had done the world a great injustice. Now, where was I at and why did I get into that? Because the Word of God. He led me to it. The Word of God does all of this for us. Now, let's look at... Really, the Lord's stamp of approval, because all the churches, he kind of gives them an approval, and all but two, I think it is, he gets on to. So let's look at his, his I will call it his stamp of approval. Uh, he said, I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast to my name. In other words, they're standing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's what wagon wheel needs to do is stand on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what the state says or anybody else says. We've got to do that. And then he says, uh, and has not denied my faith, even in the days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr. Um, Antipas was murdered. He was a martyr for his witness in Christ. He died. He was, I don't know, stoned to death, beat to death, hung. I don't know what happened to him, cut in pieces. We don't know. At least I don't know. But he said, even though that took place, you stood faithful. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is what you've got to do. If they come in here tonight and drag me outside and beat me to death because I preach the truth. Somebody come up here and preach the truth to them. Don't run from them. Stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's what they did. But, I always got a problem. That's Jessica's favorite word. It's a conjunction. Whenever... B-U-T comes in there, but 
So, you know, you can do this, but you cannot do this, but <laughs> that conjunction comes up, and conjunctions are important, I have found out. Uh, they are. Sometimes I wish there wasn't. But anyway, verse 14, he said, but I have a few things against thee. Ooh. They always got to throw in, I got a few things against thee. Yeah. You know, I like the part where it says, I know thy works, man. You guys are doing good. <laughs> but um, I have a few things against thee. Behold, uh, no, I ain't that. I don't know where I come up with that at. Because thou hast there, in other words, you got in the church, them that Hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught, well, here, if you don't know who Balaam is, I'm going to tell you, and if you do know who Balaam is, I'll tell you anyway. Balaam was a prophet, wasn't a real good one, but he was a prophet and he had a little donkey. They call it ass in the Bible. I call them jackasses, and if you ever mess the one, you'll understand why. Uh, but anyway, uh, he had his little donkey, and Balak was going against Israel and wanted him to come curse Israel. Well, he said, yeah, I'll come up there and curse him for you because they're going to pay him good money. Well, during the night, the Lord spoke to him. That's in the book of Numbers, by the way. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you can go up there to Balak, but you ain't going to curse Israel. Now, I'm paraphrasing. And so he goes up there, and Balak was all excited, and he said, curse him. Well, he couldn't. He glorified him. <laughs> oh, Balak got mad. So he goes home, and then he done it again. But anyway, making a long story short, the Lord says, look, you can go and you can talk, but you ain't cursing Israel. So he gets on his little donkey, and he's riding her, and I know it was a she. And he's riding her, and all of a sudden there's an angel standing over there and got a, one of them two-edged swords. And he's going to slice up Balaam. Well, the Lord opened the donkey's eyes, and he could, she could see Balaam. I mean, the, the angel. And... The donkey goes like this. No, I ain't going in there. We're going to get hurt. And he's like fighting with her and beating on her and trying to get her to go and back and forth. And she rubs his leg. And he gets off and just beats a snot out of her with his stick. And she looked at him and said, why are you beating me? Now, at that point, <laughs> if my horse had ever done that, After they had found me, <laughs> you know, I might have went back and figured out how to get rich off of that. But this donkey, and it was a her. That's what the Bible said. And it spoke to him. And he says, he says listen, she said, listen, I've carried you around. I've taken care of you. And you're beating me because I'm trying to save your life. And then the Lord opened his eyes and he says, ooh. Hmm. So he goes on up there, and when he gets up there, he tells Balak, he said, I can't curse Israel. It's not going to happen. 
He said, but this is what you can do. He said, send your women in there. That's what he told Balak. And that's what happened. He sent the women in, and they married and mixed in with the Jewish men, Hebrews, and caused lots of problems. Now, you ought to go read that story. Uh, it's a good story. It's in Numbers chapter 22 through 25, I think it is. So he did that. Now, that's kind of what was going on when we look at Pergamos. What was happening there in the Nicolaitans or Latians or however you say them, they had the same basically idea, and they were agnostics, the, the best they can figure out um, on them because the Bible really don't talk about them a lot. But they were, at, at, at Pergamos, they were mixing some of the church was mixing in with the idol worship and with the extraterrestrial, uh, not terrestrial, extracurricular sexual activities that would go on in that city. And uh, they, were, they were getting into that. And then basically they were listening to the, to the uh, um, Nicolaitans and, and it was a distorted Christian liberty that they had. They would want you to teach. Uh, they were teaching in the church, oh, it's okay to go out and do this and go out and drink and just run hard. Everybody knows what that is. Go out and run around with men and go out and run around with women and do things you ought not to do. It's okay. Listen, you're saved because once you've trusted Jesus, you're going to heaven. You can just go out there and live like hell. That's basically what was going on. Listen, that's not true. Can I? Well, actually I can, but I'm going to pay for it. But here's the key. I'm really, if I'm saved, I might stumble and fall and get into something like I shouldn't get into, but I ain't going to stay in it because the Lord's going to deal with me. If I'm, see, the Lord don't beat the neighbor's child. But he does whip his own children. Hebrews chapter 12, you don't believe it, he'll tear your butt up. And if you don't believe it, I got some scars to prove it. So does Brother Larry. Hey, I know you guys think he's got a halo and wings, but he don't. Amen. He, he's about as big a sinner. No, he's a worse sinner than I am. <laughs> he sins a lot. His sins are even worse than mine. No, sin, sin. And we get into that mess. And it causes this problem. Listen, I could go out and, and sit around in the bar and drink mixed drinks. It ain't going to send me to hell. But after a couple of them, Sally Sue starts looking pretty good. And Sandy ain't going to see the humor in that. And neither is God. Sandy's kind of like sweet Rosie. She'll cut you. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, so uh, it, it, it boils down, oh, I miss Elmo, be praying for Elmo. But uh, it boils down to we cannot, here, turn real quick, oh heaven, turn real quick to the book of Galatians and go to chapter 5, and if I could get there, it would be real helpful. 
It's right before Ephesians. If you get to Revelation, you got to back up. Uh, chapter 5 of Galatians and verse 13, he says, uh, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And I have liberty in Jesus Christ. I no longer, and this took me years to understand, I no longer have to sin. Of course, you may not have understood that. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to go through this life not sinning. And if you've met anybody that has, they hadn't because they lied to you. <laughs> uh, but I can sin less because of what the Lord Jesus done for me and what he does with me. He strengthens me. In my inner man. It strengthens me. He strengthens everybody that seeks it. For I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. If I really want to stay away from these problems, the Lord strengthens me. When I get to thinking about I want to go out and party and drink, the Lord said, no, you don't. And he helps me not to. When I think it'd be a good idea to roll a doobie, and some of you know what that is, and to smoke on it a little bit or draw out a little line or something, and, you know, you snort that stuff up before long, you run around going, you know, and acting foolish. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, you don't need that. And when I think I ought to look at some things that I ought not to look at, and you know what I'm talking about, I'm like, Lord, I need some help here. And he says, you can do it because of me. And I can do it. And when I want to fall off the wagon, I can say, no, Lord, uh-uh, <laughs> give me strength. I don't need, ask Lori if she's ever been in that position. Ask Freddie. You can ask him. He'll tell you, so I've been in that position. Not just with drugs, by the way. I knew a woman named Shalonda. Bless her heart. She's in heaven now. I can't wait to see her. She was this big. Black woman. She wore a 13 cowboy boot. She'd look at me and she'd say, I'm watching you. <laughs> she was in the Reformers Unanimous program. Her problem, she let me know. She said, Pastor, she said, I don't have a drug problem. She said, I don't fool with it. She said, I don't have a drinking problem, don't need it. She said, but I do like to eat, and it showed. <laughs> and uh, she said, I need help. Listen, it doesn't have to be some kind of wickedness that's a problem. The Lord can help us in whatever our problem is, if we're willing to ask him. That's, that's the key right there. We got to be willing to lack, and then willing to Take that step in the correct direction. If we don't take it in the correct direction, we're not going to get help. Anyway, where was that? Oh, I got off on the liberty part. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. In other words, don't use my liberty in the flesh... Don't, don't, don't take my liberty. I'm saved. You know, it wouldn't hurt me to go hang out in the bars and the nightclubs and the wherever. No, I don't have to go do all of that. I could, and it ain't going to send me to hell. 
But as Paul said, he said, you know, a lot of things okay for me, but it ain't expedient for you. And it's not. What's going to happen if you guys see, what's going to happen if Brother John sees my pickup truck and you can't miss it, old Rusty, sitting out in front of Treasures down there right off of Highland? What do you think's going to take place? Somebody's going to find out. Now, how is that going to look? It ain't going to send me to hell, but Lord knows I don't need to be there because it causes problems for me. I don't use my liberty as that I am saved, and I really don't have a desire to do that, but we all stumble. But don't use your liberty to stumble. You ever heard of, well, my ox was in the ditch. Don't push it in the dad blame ditch. You know, I've had mine stumble sometimes because I went, because mm, on purpose because I wanted to stumble. <laughs> Needed to be in the ditch. Ah, anyway, I got to get rolling. All right, where was that? 14. We'll go back to 14. So we read Galatians. We'll go back to 14. Now, they were teaching all of this mess. And uh, by the way, the, the, those Nicolaitans, they really embraced this uh, Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism is Greek philosophy that the physical body is evil and only the spirit is holy. So therefore, you can live however you want to in the body. It's your body. Do what you want to do with it. But that's a lie. Jesus said you belong to him because he bought you with the price of his blood. So I tell people that want to paint themselves up, you know, with tats. If you want to do that, you probably ought to talk to God first because in Corinthians it says that he owns your body. <laughs> mm. I, won't, I won't get into the tat part. If you got a tat, hey, live with it. Um, <laughs> I didn't do that. All right. Anyhow, so now I got to I got to finish up. He says, sixteen. Repent or else. You know, repent or else. <laughs> it wasn't a maybe. It's repent or else. I will come unto thee quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. That wouldn't be a good place to be. You'd be an idiot fight against Jesus. You know, really. It, it, it would not show a whole lot of brain to do that. Um, now, all right, 17, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what... Uh, the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh I will give to eat hid manna. You know what manna was? Who knows what manna? Santino, what was manna? Yeah, do you know what manna, what manna meant? Huh? Who said it? What did it mean? 
What is it? That's exactly what it meant. That's what manna meant. What is it? <laughs> and it was a little wafer, just like he said. But it was, it was special food sent from heaven. He said, we're going to have that. But Jesus said, I am the manna because I give you eternal life. Uh, but then he says also in here, I can't give you a whole lot on this. Stone, a white stone. Now, what I found on white stone in John's day, they had colored stones that were used in courts of laws, and they signified guilt or innocence. Well, guess what? The black stones was guilt. White stone was a good thing. But he also said there's going to be a name in it. I don't know what name it'll be. I have no idea. Bible doesn't clarify that, but I know it'll be special. Yes. Amen? If it comes from the Lord, it's got to be special. So he says, uh, he, he tells us repent or else. The key is, if, if in our devotional book, by the way, uh, that goes with this quarter's Sunday school lessons, started out in the book of James. Mm. You know, the book of James will kick you in the teeth. You know, when I look at it, it's like... <laughs> but that's true. It, it is like looking into God's Word. Oh, that's good. That's exactly what Gala needed to hear. Or when I pick it up and I read it and I say, oh, that hurts. That's what I needed. See, that's the way we need to look at the Word of God. Ain't none of us perfect. But we need to look at the Word of God and say, you know what? This is what the Bible says. And it needs to change things within me. And the Word of God will if we'll allow it to. It'll change you. It'll stomp out all the problems you got. It'll give you the strength to stay away from them. If we'll just apply it. But honestly, we do have to make that first step in that direction. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how did you get clean off your drugs? I said, you know, honestly, I said, I told the Lord, I said, you know, I got the problem. I know I have a problem. I had to admit it. And that goes with anything if we have a problem. We have to admit we've got a problem. And the minute we admit we have a problem, then we need to say, you know what? Lord, you need to help me. And when you take a step, he takes a step with you. Let's stand and we'll have an invitation. One verse, let's